Hi, I'm Denise Cueto, and I am the host of Broken, the podcast. I'm Fred Cray, author of Broken, which is now out. So last week was really exciting. We had the paperback version, and this week is even more exciting because now we have the hardback. I love how a big, beautiful picture of Aladar is featured on the back of the cover. I do. That's my favorite picture of him. He is so, so beautiful and so noble, courageous, determined. Yeah, it's a great picture. So if you have not purchased, pre-ordered your copy yet, be sure to do so. So we've been getting to meet Aladar, learn about who he was, this amazing horse came in second in the Triple Crown, met the queen. I mean, heck, I would have loved to have met the queen, and yet Aladar did it. And in his final years, he was the lead sire at Calumet, worth millions of dollars, and all of that came to a head on one tragic night. And throughout the novel and throughout these podcasts, we're really learning about this silly, lighthearted horse who would joke around with people who would come to visit, with his trainer, with his rider. And um, it's just such a tragedy. So in the back of your book, it starts, it was a cool, quiet evening at Calumet Farm where the most valuable racehorses, including the prolific stallion Aladar, had settled into their stalls for the evening. And kind of all went downhill from there, didn't it? What happened that night? Well, obviously, it was uh, it was November thirteenth, nineteen ninety, or between nine thirty and ten o'clock. And the night watchman who was on duty that night's job was to go around the seven hundred sixty-two acre Calumet farm and check out all the all the barns. And so he left the barn where Aladar, Affirm, Secreto, Capote, and Magambo were housed, and went on his you know his journey around the barns. And when he came back, he went to Aladar's stall and he he saw the horse was hurt. Now, to put this in perspective, Aladar was carrying Calumet in terms of his breeding rights. All the money that was made at Calumet was made from Aladar. And so he was a very important horse. And the night watchman, whose name was Alton Stone, just, he panicked. He didn't know what to do. He didn't know how the horse got hurt. He didn't know the extent of the injury. He immediately called the on-site uh, broodmare manager and the on-site veterinarian who ran over there, they saw that he had a broken leg. Uh, the interesting thing is nobody knew how it happened. I mean, everybody was thinking, how did this happen? And it became a very chaotic scene because then the insurance adjuster, Tom Dixon, came. J.T. Lundy was there. They called. The first doctor out was um, Bill Baker, who was there. And Bill Baker said, you know, and I don't really think there's anything we can do. This, when a horse breaks this leg, it's usually fatal. Um, and then Lundy said, oh, no, we can't let, we, we, this is an important, our most important horse. So they called Dr. Bramlage, who was the, probably the premier surgeon in Lexington, maybe the United States, to come over and take a look. And he came over and said, well, look, we can try and save the horse. It's not likely we will, but we'll be no worse off than if we did, if we did nothing. So they decide to leave that night and come back the next day. In the meantime, you know, everybody on the farm is 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 on eggshells because if Aladar dies, that may be the end of Calumet Farm. 
I mean, look, reading through the book and, and looking at... You've read it? I sure have. Oh, I didn't know that. It's quite wonderful. A lot of questions are raised on what happened that night, November 13th, 1990. So what's the official story? Kind of take us through what you know happened. Well, what we know, I mean, the official story, I would say, is the story that Tom Dixon created in his investigation. I don't mean to say he created it. I mean, he investigated it, and there was a a story that evolved from his investigation that became, quote-unquote, the story. So Tom Dixon seems to be a big part of the story and your investigation. Who is he? Tom Dixon was the insurance adjuster that was hired by Lloyds of London to investigate Aladar's case. And Tom uh, was an experienced insurance adjuster. He had been in the business for, you know, a very long time. He had a good reputation in uh, Lexington. Uh, He was thought to be maybe a little bit gruff, but down the line, honest guy. He's tall. He's got great posture. He was in the Navy and he's very sensitive. He had a situation with Aladar before November 13th, 1990, when he helped solve the mystery of why Aladar was having trouble walking. Apparently, they were fixing the roof at Calumet, which was uh, a lead roof, and all of those particles from the lead roof while they were repairing it got into the air and got into the barn so that the everyone in the all the horses in the barn were breathing in this lead air. And Tom figured out that Aladar was, was suffering from lead poisoning, and the, they called the veterinarian, and he came and flushed him out, and he was fine. So uh, Tom is very emotional talking about the death of Aladar and how difficult it was to investigate this claim with all of the emotions going on at Calumet from the farmhands, the doctors, and everything else. Uh, I think he said the atmosphere was so thick you could cut it with a knife. And so he has become the face of Aladar's insurance investigation over the last 35 years. Hey, Tom. Uh, I'm recording this, and if you want, I can send you a copy of it when I get it transcribed. Um, but you know, this thing happened 28 years ago. I know it did. It has been 28 years and all this time nobody has changed. I haven't heard one thing that would uh, make me change my mind that, uh, that this wasn't anything but an accident and it was an accident period. I was there 30 minutes after it happened and I stayed till after midnight. And Tom had a long history in equine investigation. Uh, you know, he had investigated many famous claims. He was well-versed in how to investigate things. And he was well-respected in the Lexington horse community as a straightforward and honest adjuster. Okay, so you get there, and I think the stall door is open, correct? Yeah. Did you look? And, uh, yeah, okay. and uh, the night watchman, uh, Alton St- he was standing there holding the horse. Yeah, and so and his with his rear end uh, facing us. Right. So the horses, the horses rear end. Face. Yeah. Well, I, I heard that that's what uh, 
that that was how John Henry liked to stay in his stall also. Did you examine the latch on the door to see if it was torn out or damaged in any way? You know, the latch that... No, at that, no not, not at that right at that time. We were more interested right. in, the, in that right. right-hand leg that was right. hanging there. Well, did you, ever, did, you, did you ever look at the latch at any time or take pictures of it to, to show whether or not that thing would... It had been pulled out as if the as if the it had been latched and pulled out. No, no, I took pictures of it, and like I said, that at that time, and I know maybe this doesn't make sense knowing what you know, but at the time it didn't seem like that. It was obvious what it had happened. Larry Bramlage, a, a, a veterinarian without question of credibility. And the other veterinarians all said it was the same thing. So I took pictures, and we yeah. just we were more concerned with the horse's condition than that damn bracket. So, how did Tom come to this conclusion then that it was an accident that Aladar in fact kicked his stall, breaking his bone? Well, first of all, I want to say that the entire context of this of Aladar's injury has to be seen in the in how famous Calumet was and how big a horse Aladar was in the breeding industry. So when you come when you come to Calumet Farm and you're looking at the best breeding horse of 1990 and you're thinking that he's making $200,000 per cover in a breeding shed and he's covering 100, 100 horses a year, uh, you cannot even think that this was intentional because why would you, uh, why would a farm or anyone bank breeding right guy, anything, why would anyone ever um, stop that, that uh, stream of income by, by injuring the horse. And so when everybody went into this and I'm talking about Dr. Bramlage, Tom Dixon, you know, everyone were, th- were thinking this had to be an accident. And, you know, when you go looking as an investigator for an accident, that's what you find. And who is Dr. Bramlage? Dr. Bramlage is a very famous, maybe the most famous orthopedic surgeon, equine orthopedic surgeon in the United States. If people watch horse racing, they might remember that Dr. Bramlage comes on in the Triple Crown to discuss horses that have been injured. Let's say somebody drops out of the race. He'll come on and say, well, that horse broke his sesamoid bone. He's going to be okay. We took him off. You know, we'll treat him and he'll be fine. And he's eminently qualified. And if you could choose anybody in Lexington or around that area to do orthopedic surgery on your horse, it would be him. It didn't go through the skin or any of those problems, which you sometimes have to worry about when the horse tries to go farther. So there are some fortunate things about the accident, but it's really heartbreaking for a horse of this caliber. Well, it's good that it happened at the end of a mile and a half, and he was easy to pull up instead of at the beginning, which is a lot harder for a rider to get the horse stopped, and then the injury could have been much more severe. Well, that's for sure. I mean, if it happened during the middle of the race, he would have been thinking it was still going on. Well, Dr. Bramlett, nothing personal, but we don't like when we have to talk to you on the air, but we certainly do appreciate your expertise and taking the time. What were your impressions of Dr. Bramlage? He's sharp, he's calm, he's knowledgeable, um, and he was not that way when I interviewed him. Uh, when, I went, when I interviewed him, it was clear to me he wasn't happy to be interviewed. I felt like he was wary of what this was all about. 
what was I? And he said that at the end, he said, I don't know what you're trying to get at with this, but I've got to go, you know, talk to one of my patients. The thing that, that set me off on feeling that this interview was not going to go well was when we, when I got to his office, he has this giant waiting room, you know, and on the walls are all these pictures of hundreds and hundreds of horses that he's treated. And in that waiting room, there are chairs for people to sit because they're waiting to see, you know, to see him and, and the horse that they have in the barn where he is. But he decides that we're going to have this interview in his waiting room. So, you know, I've interviewed doctors over as, as a lawyer over 25 years. I've never had an, had an interview with a doctor in their waiting room where people are sitting, waiting for their time to see him. They're talking, they're interrupting us to ask him, you know, hey, are we going to see you soon or whatever. There's a vending machine. And so I sit down and I, you know, he's got his arms crossed across his chest. His body language is saying, uh, I don't want to be here. I'm doing this. Let's get this over with. And I just felt like from the very beginning, when I said, this is where we're going to have the interview here, he said, yes. I thought this is this is going to be bad. Testing one two three. You wrote a, an article for Blood Horse magazine on the twenty fourth, which is he, he got he died on the fifteenth. So on the twenty fourth, you wrote you said he kicked through the stall door. The bone bent sideways enough to break. Well, what he did is clear. Yeah. There's there's no problem. That's that's a low energy fracture. Right. I, I understand that. He kicked through the stall door. Right. Broke the roller off. Yeah. His, his leg got caught. Right. He couldn't get his leg back in. Right. He slipped and fell. Right. And bent the leg and and broke his cannon bone because okay. because it, it was caught. I'm gonna call what you what you're saying the entanglement theory. Bones break in characteristic ways depending on how the force is applied. And. The people who have the theory that somebody hit him hard enough to break that bone, yeah. most of them aren't horsemen. You know, how are you going to hit that horse? First of all, that would be the hardest one. Anybody who knew anything about horses, that would be the hardest one to get a shot at a horse okay. to break. You're assuming so, that the person who did this knew that much about horses. Well, if you knew anything about horses, and if you knew nothing about horses and just went in there, Alidar would have got you before you got him. His groom, make said, his, call. Groom, his groom disagrees. Both grooms disagree about that. Okay. Um, you know, i got to go make this phone call. I don't okay. know that this is going anywhere because well, no, I, 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 I still don't think that anybody could have broken a bone of that size purposely. Okay. You have to have a high and very high low and As I said, there are different energy. doctors with different opinions about that. And yeah. so that, that's just how it is. Yeah. Okay. Understood. All right. I gotta go make a phone call. All right. And when you first contacted Dr. Bramlage, what was your premise? Why do you think he was so defensive? Well, I never talked to him until the interview. So I, the setup was done through his his staff. They made it sound like he was, you know, fine to give an interview. My personal opinion is that he felt that. He had to give an interview if a book was being written about this. If he didn't get an interview, that's, to me, is kind of an admission that you don't want to talk about it, which is a, a negative connotation. So he wants to come in and he wants to give this, you know, he wants to give his version and make sure that it's, it's presented. Now, you know, that, and that, 
requires him to defend a position. His position basically is there's no way it could have been intentional. There's no way he could even think of it being intentional. On the night of November 13th, 1990, they decide to leave that night and come back the next day. In the meantime, you know, everybody on the farm is 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 on eggshells because if Aladar dies, that may be the end of Calumet Farm. So the barn is like a funeral. Uh, it's everybody's whispering and it's quiet, and uh, you know the the veterinarians are all examining Aladar and seeing how he's doing. And he's actually pretty calm, although when he was found, his um, he was sweat he was steaming. And the whites of his eyes were really big because he was in a lot of pain. And um, they actually had to lay on top of him. People had to lay on top of him for the entire night so they wouldn't get up and put weight on that leg. And so before the, 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 um, the doctors left that night, they splinted his leg so that he couldn't, you know, further injure it. Thank you so much for joining us. Be sure to tune in for our next episode of Broken, the podcast. Our podcast is a production of Hazel Time Studios. This episode was produced by Ashley York and John Fee, mixed and edited by John Fee. David Imani is our production intern, and I am your host, Denise Cueto. And I'm your co-host, Fred Cray, the author of Broken.